Last time on... If you want to guarantee that we obtain evidence of a Dominion plot to attack the Romulans, I suggest that we manufacture that evidence ourselves. Pale Moonlight, it does have the whole, you know, uh, uh, kind of, you know, Cisco having to learn to compromise uh, his morality to make things work. I lied. I cheated. I bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. You know, Star Trek was was you know this this symbol of hope and the future, and then 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 this episode made me realize that these these are just normal people. They put their pants on just like us. And they make horrible decisions, just like us. The cost of failure was so high. If Vrenek discovered that the data rod was a forgery, if he realized that we were trying to trick them into the war, it could push the Romulans even farther into the enemy camp. They could start to openly help the Dominion. If worse came to worst, they could actually join the war against us. I had the distinct feeling that victory or defeat would be decided in the next few minutes. Now that made Cisco very human to me rather than a hero. It's a fake. It's a fake. Um, the end of the episode with Cisco just, I can handle it. I can handle it. A guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant, so I will learn to live with it. Because I can live with it. I can live with it. Computer, erase that entire personal log. Computer, erase that entire personal log. I love that so much. I, I gotta vote for Pale Moonlight. Mike? You know, uh, Pale Moonlight, uh, I believe, was written by uh, Ronald Moore, uh, who went on to uh, Battlestar Galactica. And I, I think it's interesting that really all of the, the moral ambiguity of Galactica, it, it really just, it, it begins in this episode. Oh, if you can allow your anger to subside for a moment, you'll see that they did not die in vain. The Romulans will enter the war. There's no guarantee of that. I, I just love the whole story of Pale Moonlight from be, beginning to end, and, and Garrick has just one of my favorite characters, if, if not in Trek and all of television. So, and just the way that Garrick carried Pale Moonlight, I've got to go for Pale Moonlight. So, with a seemingly legitimate rod in one hand and a dead senator in the other, I ask you, Captain, what conclusion would you draw? And you'll get what you want, a war between the Romulans and the Dominion. And if your conscience is bothering you, you should soothe it with the knowledge that you may have just saved the entire Alpha Quadrant. And all it cost was the life of one Romulan senator, one criminal, and the self-respect of one Starfleet officer. I, I never saw that ending coming. Um... Although once it happened, uh, it was obvious that uh, that Garrick was manipulating the situation to that point. Then, yeah, that's probably why Cisco did go with him. Are you hungry? Hungry, thirsty, exhausted. I suppose that proves this is not a dream, doesn't it? You think that this, your life, is a dream? This is not my life. To me, The Inner Light is much more of a true science fiction story. Um, geez, man. The Inner Light is what TNG is about to me. Was your life there so much better than this? So much more gratifying. So much more fulfilling that you cling to it with such stubbornness. Ellie. Must have been extraordinary. 
but never in all the stories you've told me have you mentioned anyone who loved you as I do. It was real. It was as real as this is. And you can't expect me to forget a lifetime spent there. Um, Inner Light is probably my favorite episode of Next Gen. Uh, again, this is... Another episode where I didn't see how this was going to possibly end, and it's a tour de force for Patrick Stewart, and it really gives that. And it's again, this is an episode that only works for the Picard character. You couldn't just randomly throw in Kirk. You couldn't throw in Cisco. It works in because it plays on his inability to have had a family throughout his life, and it, this is almost like a gift to him. I, I think it's the most emotionally effective episode of the. Uh, really of the entire show, and it was the one that crystallized my love for Next Gen. You're a good man. Wonderful husband. I didn't mean... No, not such a wonderful husband. I spend my spare time charting the stars, disappear for days at a time exploring the countryside. My life is very much as it was. Old habits. You're gentle and kind. You never once raised your voice to me. I'd like to ask your permission to build something. Cayman, you've built your telescope, your laboratory. You don't need my permission for something new. In this case, I think I do. What is it? Nursery. You know what, dude? We're going to, like, seek out strange new worlds, and there's some fucked up shit that's going to go down. And it very well could affect you. Leave us alone for a moment. I... I need to talk to my husband. never talks about it he has a whole life a whole family that he loses when he wakes up from that dream he still remembers all of it he still loves his son he still loves his grandchildren all that stuff is still there and he can never go talk to them never see them again because they died a thousand years beforehand we hoped our probe would encounter someone in the future someone who could be a teacher someone who could tell the others about us What's me? Isn't it? I'm the someone. I'm the one it finds. That's what this launching is. A probe that finds me in the future. Yes, my love. A story of some depth, and uh, I think Star Trek works best when it's uh, about depth. The rest of us have been gone a thousand years. If you remember what we were and how we lived, then we'll have found life again. That final image of Picard playing a flute that 15 minutes ago he didn't know how to play... But because of an entire lifetime, he managed to live, you know, to live, just playing it instinctively, uh, is one of the most touching images of any series I've ever seen. You've been dreaming about that starship of yours again, haven't you? This entire matter is off the record. This isn't just a very long drought, is it, Father? People are dying out there every day. Just saddens me to see you burdened with the knowledge of things you can't change. Entire worlds are struggling for their freedom. And here I am, still worrying about the finer points of morality. I've been patient, Ken. A very messy, very bloody business. Are you prepared for that? For five years, I've shared you with that life. I'm already involved in a very messy, very bloody business. I've listened. I've tried to understand. The only way. And I have waited. I can see to end it. Will we start a family? It's to bring the Romulans into the war. She's father's daughter. 
I am prepared to do whatever it takes to accomplish that goal. And surely the technology must exist to save something in this world. But I can't do it alone. There is a plan in work. I need help. Father, it's mother. Hurry. Now, are you in or out? Seize the time, Maribel. Live now. Make now always the most precious time. And now the conclusion... Corner from Utopia Planitia, weighing in at 5 million metric tons, the Inner Light! The Inner Light took place on Stardate 45944.1. It aired June 1st, 1992. Written by Morgan Gendel and Peter Allen Fields. Directed by Peter Lortz. In the black corner, from the Bajoran sector, weighing in at over 200 million metric tons, in the pale moonlight! In the pale moonlight was set at Stardate 51721.3. It aired April 15, 1998. Written by Michael Taylor and Peter Allen Fields, with an assist by Ronald Moore. It was directed by Victor Lobel. Welcome to Geek Fights. I'm Damon Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, who's joining us for this very special bonus episode? Well, uh, returning to this topic is Chris Wood. Hello. And I guess I'm supposed to tell you guys why I like Star Trek, right? That is correct. So, I was. this is pretty interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, um, before I even knew I was going to be asked this, but... For me, Star Trek's kind of always been there. It, it's actually the first memory I have of seeing a movie, and that would be seeing Star Trek, the motion picture. I was actually on a vacation with my family in Galveston, Texas, uh, during one of the worst oil spills in Galveston's history. Uh, so we didn't really get to go to the ocean um, because the beaches were covered with tar, and you know, it was really a really nasty situation. So we uh, decided to go to the movies uh, and see Star Trek, the motion picture, and I was just enamored with it. Um, I was probably, gosh, five years old, I would imagine. Uh, but it's the first thing I remember, first first thing, first thing, science fiction thing, I should say, that I remember. Um, so I don't really know why I like it. It's just always been there for me. Um, obviously, I'm drawn to it. Um, but it's kind of like, um, gosh, what would that be like? Uh, it would be like, you know, why do you like your family member? <laughs> because they've always been there. Because right. you know that they're part of your family. So that's that's why I like Star Trek. Uh, we also have Paul Story. Hey there. Um, let's see. Why do I like Trek? Actually, my, my answer is somewhat like Chris's in that Trek has always been there uh, for me. It is probably also the very first science fiction uh, show that I really uh, remember, um, although uh, mine was original series, but I'm hoping in reruns might have been might have might have at a very very young age got um, some some actual original stuff. But um, yeah, it was just like a huge part of my life. I, I caught uh, original series on on reruns and played Star Trek with my friends because my friends in the neighborhood all loved it. You know, it just it really uh, it just really spoke to me. I think I I think it's very formative. Um, I, uh, I I will always remember Kirk's uh, speech in now. Uh, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, <laughs> A lot uh, of things. Day of Armageddon. Armageddon now. What was the taste of Armageddon? Taste of Armageddon. Thank you, Michael. Uh, we will not kill today um so yeah i just it track is is uh it's like one of the building blocks of my geekdom cool beans joining us for the first time is dane ward how are you guys doing 
Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. All right, well, since I just walked in blind, I don't even know what I walked <laughs> into the middle of. So, I mean, for all I know, somebody's getting mugged. I mean, so. What, Not what yet. Were you guys, uh, what were you guys up to when I walked in? Uh, or basically. It, you, honestly, you don't know what we were up to before this whole thing started, that's for sure. It, it's really, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you walk in and everybody just gets quiet, you're like, oh, okay. I'm about to get rolled. <laughs> <laughs> We were, just need to know why you love Star Trek. That's exactly. All. Thank you, oh, Paul. Man. Why? I, I think it's just ingrained in my DNA. I mean, I have been a fan as, as long as I can remember. Um, I was. I think I was a fan even when I was in the womb. Uh, that's when the original show was on. I tried to watch it then, but the reception sucked where I was living. <laughs> and uh, I've been. I mean, as far as as far back as I can remember, I've either been watching the reruns when they ran them in the afternoons after school, or I was I got to watch the cartoon when it was on first run uh, in the seventies. And I, you know, I played with all the toys and almost shot my eye out with one of those plastic disc guns, that kind of thing. So I just I've been a fan my whole life. All right, thank you. Uh, we've also got Barry Ingram. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm also a lifelong Star Trek fan. I've got my father to thank for that because he was a Star Trek fan, and at the time I was growing up and conscious of what was on television, uh, the reruns of the original series came on at 10.30 after the news, and I was of that age where I was uh, allowed to stay up after my bedtime to watch Star Trek with my father, and he uh, introduced me to all the, uh, the the show and just loved it from the beginning. Uh, looked forward to the to the movies, the the, the next generation, all the uh, other series, and uh, just uh, just love the show. Uh, we've also got Darren Benjamin, who will be joining us later. He's actually out with his family right now, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to actually call him to get his vote. Uh, Jared Formby. Yeah, hey. Um, these are great, great stories and, and wonderful jokes about why uh, people love Star Trek and how it's all come together for them in such great ways. Mine's kind of not as cool. Uh, I got into Star Trek originally, I believe, because in the early 80s, uh, VCRs were all that. And we didn't have one. We were a very poor family. And uh, I knew there was a Star Trek three that my parents didn't know. So I actually used Star Trek three as an excuse to go and uh, get a hold of a VCR that we could rent from the video store with Raiders of Lost Ark, but Star Trek thrown in. And uh, I loved Star Trek three. I, I really did. I, I got into it. And actually, when it came time to like, play Star Trek as, as a child. I, I didn't even know there were toys. and We lived in Wyoming, so it's likely that Montgomery Ward didn't even have the toys. Um, but we had a lot of Star Wars toys. So we'd play with the Star Wars toys, and then once we decided to play Star Trek, it was like, well, these all look wrong. So we just played Star Trek ourselves with our own bodies, but we didn't role-play anything. It was like, I'm Captain Kirk, and I do this. I'm Captain Kirk, and I do that. And that was that was really fun and endearing and and. Honestly, Star Trek Fours would push, put me over the edge. It turned me into somebody who had to watch every single rerun. I watched everything I could get my hands on. I uh, hated the next gen when it started because it wasn't as cool as Captain Kirk stuff. And then I came around to next gen, and then my life from then on became justifying Star Trek to all my strange friends that came out of my life. Um, it was so awful because every time I'd say, "You guys have to love Star Trek like I do," they go, "Well, I haven't really looked at it." I'd be like. No, no, no. Let's just watch this new episode. And it would be something like masks. <laughs> oh, and, dude. You know, that would just ruin everything. And, like, I remember I had another argument in the 90s, and it was like, oh, come on, dude, come on. We've known each other forever. Just just try this episode of Star Trek. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it'll be good. It's Deep Space Nine. And it was one where Keiko got possessed by the paw rays. Oh. So, like, I just gave up on the, you know, now it's like, gosh, I'm glad there's DVD because I can select the episode at least, which is kind of what we're doing tonight. And last but not least, Michael Felsher. Hello. Uh, so all these these incredible memories of Star Trek and how it was always there with you, and you know, it, as even as a child, I, I can remember 
the same thing. Uh, you know, Star Trek and I, you know, we would hop on our bikes and ride down to the park <laughs> on the weekends. And sometimes we run after the ice cream man and end up sharing an ice cream cone on a hot summer's day. And we'd come home and Star Trek and I would play catch in the backyard and stay up late watching R-rated movies together. But... Well, sadly, our relationship came to a rather sudden end when Star Trek ran out of the street and was hit by a Chevy Cavalier after school one day. Oh, there was just, there was so much blood and, and screaming. But still, I found I found a true friend that day, and I, I've I've loved all of Star Trek's descendants to this very day. But it'll never be the same as when I was a child. <laughs> you never have TV shows like you do when you were twelve. No, you don't. Jesus, you just don't. Anyone? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we're going to get into the voting now. Uh, we're at the end. Uh, this is this is it. It is Deep Space Nine's In the Pale Moonlight versus the Next Generation's The Inner Light. And we're going to start with you there, Chris. You know, I'm just angry because the visitor isn't on this uh, this list. Um, get you know, over it. I know it hurts though. It hurts so badly. Um, between the two, in the pale moonlight and and uh, the inner light, for me it would have to be in the pale moonlight. Um, you know, I'm kind of a late uh, DS9 convert. I watched it some when it was first run, uh, but I just I honestly couldn't get into it. So I and and I gave up too early because obviously after the third season, it's just completely rocked. Um, but in the pale moonlight, first time I saw it, I was just in awe. And enamored with it. Um, I didn't know that Star Trek could could go in that direction. It was a, the first uh, of its kind, really, in Star Trek, especially with Avery Brooks. I mean, you know, Benjamin Sisko, completely different than any other captain uh, that we we had seen up to that point. Um, and <laughs> the twist at the end with the Romulan ambassador Vrenak getting. Uh, getting killed and that was the whole point hopefully i'm not ruining it for anyone out there <laughs> um but uh, and also the best line ever it's a fake <laughs> so anyway in the pale moonlight all the way i mean not that i don't love inner light but it beat out the visitor so i can't vote for it all right go. a vote for pale moonlight and paul well i you know again talking i guess we're we're probably all going to go right. here but um, really, the fact that there isn't an original series episode in the in the final group is killing me. And of course, I think that should be Journey to Babel because it's the best episode Star Trek ever. But since that's not here, I'm left with Deep Space Nine versus TNG, dark and disturbing over Saccharin and Maudlin, Cisco versus Picard. And Garrick versus, like, a whole bunch of one-shot aliens. I gotta go within the pale moonlight. I mean, come on. It's just, Deep Space Nine is so much better than Next Gen. The the tone of In the Pale Moonlight is so much more intense rather than all weepy. Um, And, uh, you know, Avery Brooks. Uh, You can't go wrong with Avery Brooks. So uh, I'm uh, I'm going for Pale Moonlight. All right. You know what? Let me add something real quick. Um, I said Ambassador Vreenag should have been Senator. I always do that. <laughs> you son right. of a bitch. I know because people are, are out there cursing me, and I wanted to redeem myself. Oh, I was so. sitting here seething, man. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> if you Actually, Ortiz, Ortiz was just going to cut it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just somebody Perfect. else's yeah. voice would have said, Senator. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with Charles Bronson. So. <laughs> uh, Mr. Dayton Ward, uh, where does your vote lie in between these two episodes? Wow. Well, I'm, like, I'm like everybody else. I mean, there's really no comparing the two episodes. They're, they're so far afield from each other in terms of sc- scope and tone and, um, and just, I mean... Inner Light is an interesting Star Trek story. It's a it's a pretty you know it's a pretty uh, uh, standout Star Trek story. But I like In the Pale Moonlight because it basically just took the mold and, and threw it on the on the sidewalk and said we're going here. You know, and until then, I mean, it was very rare that the that Star Trek took that kind of a risk with a storyline. I mean, you can go back to the original show and you know Kirk 
having decided he's got to arm the natives with you know firearms to keep them on equal footing with the ones that the Klingons are arming. That's a pretty bold move, right? But I mean, for the most part, Star Trek plays it safe, and this was an episode where they totally went, you know, in the other direction and just blew me away with with the whole idea of it. And of course, Avery Brooks carries this thing on his shoulders for the entire hour, and he's and I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart just. <laughs> in his episode now. I mean, it should, we should have picked something else for him. So. All right. A vote, another vote for Pale Moonlight. Uh, Mike? You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of The Inner Light. Um, it is a, a great performance piece. It's a, a very interesting episode uh, for Picard. It was a, a clever science fiction idea. In in just about every objective way, I think Pale Moonlight is as a more powerful show. It certainly had a, a greater impact on me. Um, I'd be fine if I never watched The Inner Light again, but I do watch in the Pale Moonlight regularly. But I can't vote for Pale Moonlight. At its heart, it is a show that is about the moral compromise of the main character. And if what we're talking about here is the best Star Trek, I think it needs to be something that embodies Star Trek. And that's not moral compromise. Um, Star Trek is summed up by the first words we heard to... Explore strange new worlds, seek out new life, new civilizations, boldly go where no man has gone before. And the Pale Moonlight does none of that. Um, and the Pale Moonlight is just, well, the world is shit, and sometimes you have to do shitty things. And honestly, even though it's incredibly well done, you can see that everywhere on every TV show. Every cop drama has this same basic premise. Star Trek for me, needs to be something better. It needs to be something more. It needs to be about explore new worlds. And Inner Light, even though it may not be as well executed, literally is someone experiencing another another civilization. Um, that's not something you're going to see anywhere else on any other TV show. That's something that is very unique to Star Trek. And I think that to to make this choice, if we if we basically are saying across all of God, how many hours of Star Trek, the thing that made the most impact on us is a hero that compromises. Then I think Star Trek has failed in its ability to try and inspire us to want to do better. If the best that Star Trek can give us is well, this sucked. I'm sorry I had to do that. Instead of we we not just can do better, but we will do better. Then, um, then I really don't think Star Trek is any better than any other TV show out there. And because for me it is, it has to be something that's more inspiring. It has to be something that's more positive. As much as I love Deep Space Nine, it is my favorite Star Trek. That is one of the flaws of the show as far as being a Star Trek show is that compromise is not not the vision of the future that I think Star Trek needs to be. So even though I do think In the Pale Moonlight is a better episode, just because I don't think it's better Star Trek, I can't vote for it here. That was beautifully put, man. You need to have like you need to cut in like the theme to TOS and slowly bring it up behind the speech. <laughs> that was a patent speech, man. That was awesome. It was a patent speech because it almost it was. Uh, Barry, where does your vote lie? <clears throat> well, uh, I guess I get to piss Mike off because I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and throw it in the pale moonlight, and I think mainly to expand on on what Mike was talking about about the 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 exploration and and this is the way uh of mankind and and the, our striving and 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 exploring and deep space nine i think takes that a little bit further in that things 
get kind of boring, I guess, if everything is all sunshine and puppies and kittens and things like that, that people, even in the 23rd century, are flawed. And uh, Cisco, I think, did that earlier in the, in, the, in the Deep Space Nine series when they brought in the Maquis and they were talking about Earth and being a paradise. And he says it's easy to be a saint in paradise, but here it's not paradise. And as much as we want to, we can't always be saints. And Pale Moonlight was just such a wonderfully written story it just seemed like at every turn, the story just snaked further and further into this malevolent forest. At, at first, well, we're going to make this fake rod. Then we've got to spring this guy from a Klingon prison. Well, then he commits a crime, and we got to bribe Quark to, to, to let him go. And, and then we've got to uh, get this really nasty biometric gel that can be used for all kinds of nefarious purposes so we can get our job done get the job done and and just the the the, tw- the the turns that it takes and and the explorations into what things have to be done basically to ensure the survival of the human race in the in, in the to ensure the survival of the human race and Cisco does it and 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 Garrett does it and does it very well and I've got to vote for Pale Moonlight. All right, a vote for Pale Moonlight. And we're going to stop here for just a second. I got to call Darren. He's ready and waiting. <laughs> so it's always weird when we do when I hear the actual phone call sound. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Oh, Benjamin. <laughs> hey, what's going on? All right. It's Pale Moonlight versus <laughs> The Inner Light. <laughs> Where does your vote lie? Um, well, let me see here. Uh, huh. Well, what's, what's, what's the standings right now? Uh, it's four to one, Pale Moonlight. Four but, to one, Mike, Pale Moonlight? Am I the, am I the last Mike man standing? Mike just gave a really impassioned, impassioned you, speech. You were yeah, not the, the last man standing. It's a shame you didn't hear it. No, Mike's, Mike's speech for, for Inner Light is very impassioned. <laughs> Well, I do, I do love Inner Light. Let me tell you, I do love that episode. I mean, I remember watching that. That came out before the Pale Moonlight, and uh, it really, it really opened my eyes to the unique storytelling in, uh, in for the Star Trek: The Next Generation. But uh, um, I think the 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 true game changer in my eyes is in the Pale Moonlight because it kind of broke all the preconceptions of Star Trek. You know, instead of instead of people being ideals. It made Cisco uh, probably the most human character in Star Trek. You know, to quote Kirk from Star Trek, Star Trek uh, Two, he was the most human at that point. So my vote goes for In the Pale Moonlight. All right, In the Pale Moonlight. Thank you very much, Mister Benjamin. Uh, You're very welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Have a good one, uh, Mister Formby. Where does your vote lie? Um. Okay, we got two episodes here. Uh, both of these are about captains getting what they want. Um, what the card wants is, of course, taken away from him. He doesn't even know he wants it until, gosh, he's been living that life for as long as he has been. And then Cisco gets what he wants, but like Mike said, it was, you know, due to a huge moral compromise. And and like Mike, I. I can't give it my vote in good conscience because it is a, a mold breaker. It is a game changer. And I'm just not that convinced that Star Trek's game needs to be changed. I mean, what I love about Star Trek is, is all those things that are um, humans can be better. We can all be better. Um, all of us will be better together. And, and the inner light, you know, even though I'm not going to hurry off and watch it right now, I mean, it's still written into my brain. I, I got a hard drive. I know all the scenes. I mean, and it is genuinely sad. And, I mean, I know it was criticized for being saccharine before, but some of the best Star Trek does get saccharine. And uh, without the visitor here, I mean, I need something that, that's appealing to that emotional aspect of Star Trek, that, that reason I watch. You know, I mean, I love In the Pale Moonlight. I love it all day. You know, for all the same reasons everybody else loves it. 
you know, and it's, it is fantastic. And I remember crapping my pants when it happened because it was so not Star Trek. But the inner light is Star Trek. So, I mean, I have to, I have to vote for Star Trek. I mean, I, I love Star Trek too much to, to see it go down as, gosh, you know, the, the best thing about Star Trek was this one thing they did that was completely the opposite of everything. <laughs> and I just, I just can't go for that. And plus, the inner light is that standalone episode you can show somebody and go, this is why it's cool. This is why it's cool. Um, you can't show them in the pale moonlight without going, okay, okay, there's this war going on, right? right? And there's this other faction over here, right? Right? And then, oh, you know? So, uh, so uh, this is all this fucking shit that I watch. And so, no, I mean, I, I'm going to go with the inner light because it is more Star Trek than Star Trek, to quote Blade Runner to you, Damon. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I was going to go, I was going to go pale moonlight. I, I really was, because Pale Moonlight is my favorite episode, but both Jared and Mike are absolutely correct. Pale Moonlight is not Star Trek. It's a great episode of television, one of the greatest episodes of television, according to TV Guide, but it's still not Star Trek. Inner Light is Star Trek, so it's going to get my vote. I'm going to go Inner Light. Michael? Um... um. You know, this has been very, very difficult uh, ever since I learned that Pale Moonlight was going to be the one up against Inner Light. I, I realized something, and it's been very interesting to hear a lot of the, the discussions on this panel tonight, especially uh, Mike's argument about Inner Light. Uh, it's a very rare and special occurrence that these should be the two episodes that have ended up here on this panel tonight. Because if you look at it, I mean... Paul made a mark about, oh, I'm sorry, there's no original series here. And I, I agree, there's been some, there's some wonderful episodes of the original series. But it's interesting that since over Star Trek's evolution, these two episodes could never have happened on the original series. The original series had to happen, and there had to be years and years of development and other producers and directors and writers to come in and add their own depth and layers to the Star Trek mythos. Inner Light and Pale Moonlight are both ones that would not have been able to have existed back then. So I can see why original series may not have made it all this way, although it would be nice to see it here. Inner Light, for me, is it's a brilliant standalone episode. It's a deeply, deeply passionate and emotional journey for a character, for something he didn't necessarily know that he was missing. It changes his life forever. There's an immense amount of personal stakes uh, at risk for him. And in the end, it's utterly heartbreaking. You may call it saccharine. I don't. I found it a genuinely emotionally effective episode that absolutely killed me. It just slayed me and wiped me right out. And it was that episode of Next Generation that for me said, oh, these guys can really knock it out and do something different. This is not going to be just Star Trek done better. And it is a terrific science fiction episode. Uh, it, it has... Uh, a wonderfully uplifting core to it that Star Trek needs to have. The contrast, the, 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 sec the other side of that coin is in the pale moonlight. It's a critical moment in a very important and very dark story arc. There's political and epic importance and turning point, really, for the whole series that occurs right then and there in, 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 that, in that episode. Characters all, in, no, almost none of the characters come out the same at the end, except for one crucial character, and that's Garrick who essentially lays it out for his lead, the lead character, saying, you came to me because you knew I could do the things you couldn't. There, there's an emotional and a political and social complexity in that episode that's rare for any series. I, I haven't seen an episode like Pale Moonlight and a lot of other dramatic series. None of them are that good. And it's terrifying at the end. The implications of what have to, has to happen in order for millions of lives to possibly be saved is that a our lead character has to become compromised. Is it Star Trek? I argue, yes, it is Star Trek, because Star Trek is many things. It's not just one thing anymore. It has become and evolved so much over the years that to simply say, this is Star Trek or this is Star Trek, it's, I think it's a mistake. And what, I was so, what I've been struck by is that Inner Light and Pale Moonlight are two sides of the same coin. These are the two types of stories that Star Trek does amazingly well. Deeply personal, uplifting, exciting, and, and, and optimistic storytelling. And Deep Space Nine then comes along and does a complete opposite. Even though the, the Pale Moonlight 
you know, the story at the end, it's for the greater good. Everyone, you know, it's all for the greater good. It's a downer because in the end you realize, my God, they really have to sacrifice a lot of themselves in order to get this done. And I've come to the basic conclusion we're making a crucial mistake in choosing between these two episodes. It, it, because we're, we're essentially saying one of these is more Star Trek than the other. Maybe 20 years ago you could have said that. You can't say that anymore. You can't say that all, you know, Star Trek is what Pale Moonlight is. And you can't say Star Trek is what Inner Light is. They both represent the two things that Star Trek does when it's at its best, better than any other show on television. So my choice is to not vote for either one of them or to vote for both of them. I think that to choose one is an absolutely stupid mistake. We've been granted a rare opportunity to recognize through just a twist of fate the two sides of Star Trek here, and that's the way I have to go. I will not choose between these two. You're abstaining from your vote, but your vote wouldn't have counted anyway. <laughs> I, you know what, though? Wait a second. Whoa. I've never, ever on the face of the earth done this on Geek Fights before, and I don't know that it actually makes a difference, but um, I think Roddenberry himself would have kind of hated Pale Moonlight a little. Um for many of the reasons that uh, that Mike Ortiz mentioned, um, that it was about compromise and and Roddenberry very much envisioned uh, a, a a better future and um, and as much as I'm not I don't I'm not as fond of uh, of Inner Light as an episode. Um, Mike is right; we are picking the best track. And um, and uh, despite um, my my uh, my feelings for Pale Moonlight, I, I think I'm switching my vote to Inner Light. Why, why? Thank you, Paul. You've just gone and thrown a wrench right into the system. It's all tied up now. And Michael, you actually have to make a choice. No, I know. Actually, hey, I, I want to throw something in too. Yes. I'm going to change my vote for the visitor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll accept that because that means inner light wins. You can vote for all good things. Yes, we know. Yeah. Well, hang on. So, <laughs> actually, yes. Everybody, vote for all good things. If you thing? vote for all good things, you will receive a free copy of The Walking Dead on DVD and Blu-ray, courtesy Anchor Band Entertainment. <laughs> uh, Dayton, what were you saying? I was going to say I've been sitting here listening because I'm not familiar with the the format of the show, so I didn't know. You know, can you can you jump in? Can you rebut? Can you can you change your vote? That kind you of thing. You can change your vote, and at this point, if anybody wants to make an argument uh, for their case, now would be the well, time. I, for, I don't. I'm, I didn't, and I'm I'm horrible with names, so I apologize. But uh, the argument that you know, there is only one kind of Star Trek story is you know, you know versus there are many kinds of Star Trek stories. That's my belief. There is no one kind of Star Trek story. Um, and. You, but and and you're and I came into this thing thinking the same thing. It's really unfair to put these two episodes against each other because they're apples and oranges. As much as you can beat that particular cliche to the ground, they 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 are totally light and dark, left and right. I mean, um, it's kind of unfair to both of them because they're just such contrasts of each other. So yeah, I'm gonna sit here and having been convinced of the argument, I'm gonna switch my vote to inner light. Uh, switch to inner light. Mr. Ward, thank you for saving the show. The inner light. <laughs> no, I was, you know, I was, no, no, no. Oh, no. The argument no, no. was compelling. So. No, I'm putting my vote with uh, Pale Moonlight now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Well, I'm switching my vote to Balance of Terror, and we're being done with it. Uh, it's fine if you switch your vote, Michael. Uh, there are nine people on this episode. doesn't matter where you go. There are five votes for the inner light now. Really? How did that work? Uh, let's see. You're all uh, convinced. Paul, me, and Jared. Yep, it's five. Uh, yeah, I'm not changing mine. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. You, you don't need to change yours. It is fine. The inner light will win. We get, Can we get that flute song going? Okay. That would be epic, actually. If you could cut that in now. I think, uh, I think I'll have to find that. <laughs> uh, does anybody have anything they would like to plug? Uh, Chris? 
Yeah, um, I actually run Subspace Communicate, which I've said many times on this podcast. Um, you guys can check it out, subspacecommunicate.com. And um, as of the last episode, I said that the Natalia Nagalich interview is coming up. It's still coming up because I haven't edited it, edited it yet. So, um, But you can check that out li- at uh, lifeaftertrack.com. We've also had Jeffrey Combs, um, Manu Reme, Larry Nemechek, Chase Masterson, and Walter Koenig. And I think there's somebody else I'm leaving out. Anyway, but it's a pretty decent uh, podcast. I, I listen to it and think it's enjoyable, even though I'm the one talking. Maybe I'm narcissistic. I don't know. Uh, but right. uh, you could check it out. All right, Mr. Story. Um, I'm going to be plugging the usual um, website, storyville.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Storyville. That's S-T-O-R-R-I-E-B-I-L-L-E. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's about it. Those are the good places to find me around the web. My, uh, website also points you at, uh, Facebook and MySpace and some other stuff and my blog. So, uh, that's a good place to start. MySpace? Really? All right. Uh, I, I think I am still on the MySpace. I haven't canceled it yet. All right. Uh, Mr. Dayton Ward. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Well, I, I wasn't coming here with that intention, but if you're going to give me the opening, I, you know, I'll, I'll whore myself. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on the web at DaytonWard.com, and I'm also on Twitter and Facebook as Dayton Ward. And you know, buy my books; they make great stocking stuffers. Uh, Which books? Oh, anyone, all of them. They're all good. No, they're all they're all the greatest things ever between paper covers. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Star Trek fan. You can you know do that if you like science fiction. I've got a couple of military science fiction, uh, but I, you know, I uh, I didn't come on here with the intention of uh, pimping myself. So hey, you got to pimp yourself somewhere. Barry, do you have anything to pimp? Uh, well, I would pimp out MySpace, but that's already been done, so <laughs> I have nothing to pimp then. <laughs> All right. Uh, Darren, who joined us earlier, obviously you can listen to him on Trekcast, and he's also at Quark's Bartender on Twitter. Uh, Jared? Yeah, uh, I'm the blogger for that very same uh, website, trekcast.com. I write, hey, Star Trek. Hey, Star Trek. That's right. right. And um, I also want to plug the uh, 25th episode of Geek Fights, which was uh, fan-fucking-castic. It was uh, best score and more, if memory serves. And, uh, yeah. All right. And Professor Profane, Evil Mike, Michael Felsher. Anything? Yes, I'd like to promote uh, Del Taco and their fabulous line of fast food Mexican food items. Please go to www.deltaco.com for specials and locations in your area. You're, you're trying to get free Del Taco, aren't you? <laughs> Damn right. This is like I the am. fourth time you plug Del Taco. And I will keep plugging them um, until I get free food out of the deal. Let me know if that works. Have Del Taco out here. <laughs> yeah, I miss Del Taco, man. They don't have it in Central Texas either. Well, uh, they're fairly new back here in uh, in Michigan. We haven't had yeah, them. They've that been long. here a couple. They've been here for a couple years now. So yeah, yeah. I miss Del Taco and I miss In and Out Burger. Oh God, oh, In and Out yeah. Burger. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> for my one year in L.A. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd uh, like to thank all our je- guests. I'd uh, uh, like to thank Mania, Subspace Communique, uh, DVD Geeks, uh, Jared for the Pimp Down intro that might be on this one. I don't know if we ever talked about that one. Uh, Mike? Um, you can find me on the Zod Complex podcast. Uh, we we took a little break for a while, but uh, by the time this episode airs, we should have a new episode up. Uh, and you can find us at zodcomplex.com. However, you can find Geek Fights at geekfights.net. You can email us at geekfights at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, where we are Geek Fights, or you can become a fan on Facebook. Uh, just look for Geek Fights. And definitely check out our website, because we've got some uh, new uh, ideas up there for future shows. So uh, if, if you want to be on, let us know if you've got any ideas uh, for shows, let us know and uh, check it out, Damon. Uh, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and the Zoom. Um, Jared, I have to thank you. Uh, I talked to a Zoom listener today, somebody who found us on the Zoom network. Uh, they're going to be coming on in two episodes. So you are so welcome. 
Thank you very much for that. And if you'd like to be on the panel, just like Mike said, just contact us. All it takes is a voice because, as you heard earlier, we had people on phones. So it doesn't. you don't even need Skype anymore to join the Legion of Geeks. Our upcoming battles are uh, – Worst jump the shark moment ever, which might be the worst jump the shark moment we've ever. Yeah, I think we're, we may jump the shark in that episode. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And then Marvel Comics Showdown, the first episode where we're going to actually have fights. It's going to be Spider-Man versus Galactus, and you're going to have to say why Spider-Man beats Galactus or why Galactus beats Spider-Man in a physical fight. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I know Dude, how that ten point power sword. <laughs> Exactly. Ten point power sword. <laughs> Until next time, everybody. Keep fighting the geek fight. Good night. say, I, I, having received all your letters over the years, and, and, and I've spoken to many of you, and some of you have traveled, you know, hundreds of miles uh, to be here, I'd just like to say, get a life, will you, people? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I mean for, for crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. <laughs> I mean, look at you, look at the way you're dressed. Uh, you, 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 you've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few uh, years into a colossal... I mean, I mean, how old are you people? What have you done with yourselves? You, you, you must be almost 30. Have you, have you ever kissed a girl? I, I didn't think so. There's a, there's a whole world out there. When I was your age, I didn't watch television. I lived. So move out of your parents' basements. And get your own apartments and, and grow the hell up. I mean, it's just a TV show, Dan. It's just a TV show. Are, are you saying then that we should pay more attention to the movies? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Hey, you guys are the lamest bunch of... I'm not gonna... You know, the best episode of Star Trek was Descent, the season five finale. There were some very smart guys on the Holocene League, though two of them weren't really smart. They were just actors. God damn it, Mike. I really wish you never learned how to use that fucking Stephen Hawking voice. At least it's not Biff Tannen.